I want to start this just a little bit different, and we're going to go straight to uh, straight to uh, oh over in the New Testament, looking at Jesus just a moment. Uh, so let's start in uh, the book of John. John's an isolated book by itself. It's a beginning and end type story, and it, it's John. He's one of the disciples of Jesus. Uh, uh, anyway, it's not it's not John the Baptist, you know, but it's it's John, but. It, he actually was one of the twelve, and you can read about him in his own book. He, oh, he writes. But uh, I want to go straight down to an incident that he recorded in the tenth chapter here. Oh, um, and let's get down here to uh, get right into this thing. We all hear, we've heard. You know, Jesus is the good shepherd. Okay, all right. So, uh, notice in the in the oh, uh, uh, that in the eleventh verse, he said, "I am the good shepherd." But if you back up just a second. He was contrasting himself with some other kind of shepherd. Now, look what he says in verse 10. The thief's purpose is to kill, steal, at, well, it's to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, look what Jesus says. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. Now, some folks will try to say because we're in church, that just means eternal life. And so one day, no, it's more than that. It's everything about your life this afternoon that might be bothering you or whatever. You have got eternal life to help you fix whatever's out there that's bothering you. Now, let's back up. I want to go next to uh, the uh, the book of Mark. All right. Now, Mark has a historic account of Jesus. And I want us to start at uh, the 10th chapter. That's a little... We're going to pull in a little bit of, um, just like a newspaper clip here, story here. Uh, well, it says it's not responding, but it will. We'll get this thing to come back. There we go. All right. Uh, this is in Mark chapter 10. And Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And, of course, we know he's going to get crucified. Uh, but he tells everybody this is going to happen. Now, so while they're on their way, a uh, little incident happens with an individual. Let's get over here to it. I'm in the 10th chapter. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, 10th chapter. That's 101. I'm where I'm supposed to be. Here we go. So as they reached a fairy tale place. No, it's Jericho. We know a lot about Jericho. The walls of Jericho. Joshua. That place still around. Okay. Later as they left uh, town, a great crowd was following. Okay, they got to get this picture. It said a great crowd. I mean, mercy. Oh, um, I like to... Think about these things. Let me close this down. After the election we've had, I've I've watched, uh, um, you know, Donald Trump, and and it's a, it's a movement we've seen. And you can look at the images and the pictures, and it was on Time Magazine, just just thousands and thousands of people. So let's get the picture right here. A great crowd. It's not a few people. So these people were just thronging Jesus. Now it happened that a blind beggar. Now. <laughs> Does Jesus need help showing that he's the son of God here? No, he didn't need help anywhere. These miracles were not for that reason. The miracle was for blind Bartimaeus. Your eyesight can begin to change a little bit and you can begin to worry. And I tell you what, it can be sort of, it can be a scary thing to with your vision. But look what this guy did. There was a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. We'll just call him Bart. The son of Tim, we'll call it. It's Timaeus, but it's an actual guy. He was sitting by the road as Jesus was going by. When Bart heard that Jesus of Nazareth was near, he began to shout out. Now look what he said. If it be your will. No, he didn't. He said, Jesus, son of David, have, mer have, have mercy on me. 
Oh, wow, look how nice that is. Shut up, some of the people yelled at him. Oh, my goodness. But he only shouted the more. Now, boy, that's a good thing because if you, as you find out that's what faith is, he wasn't going to stop. He wasn't going to quit. Again and again, oh, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, look what Jesus did. Now, remember, we have the details. Is it just because of Bart we have the details? No, it's for us. When Jesus heard him, that's the reason we better be crying out. You know, it ain't going to just happen on its own. He stopped there in the road. Boy, it just stopped Jesus. Right in the stretch, brother. Tell him to come here. Wow. The one who made the whole heavens and the earth and everything and created you says, come here. Wow. Wow. Now everybody changed their tune. So they called the blind man. You lucky fellow. <laughs> yeah. He just told me to shut up. But, you know, the world stands by and watches us get our miracles. You know, they do. And these people weren't going, well, I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder. No, they're already saying, you ain't going to be blind long. I bet you somebody said, you're going to enjoy this. <laughs> anyway, uh, he yanked off his old coat, flung it aside, and jumped up and came to Jesus. Now, some folks say that was a beggar's thing. Well, we don't really know. I mean, come on. That's not the story. The story is he's going to get his sight. Uh, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. Oh, teacher, the blind man said, I want to see. Notice he didn't get holy. Nah, I'm just such a scum, you know, and I just think you've got people in Africa that need help. And, and I mean, I mean, there's a multitude here, and, and you're going to the cross. And I mean, what am I? Never mind. I'm going to go back and sit down. No, he didn't do that. He had a problem, and he knew God could still run the universe and still help him. And that's what we need to hear. He's got time to help you and I. Look what he said. I want to see. And I'm telling you, if you couldn't see, that's what you'd want to say. And if you were in pain, you'd want to say, I want the pain to quit. And Jesus said, all right, it's done. Wait a minute. We don't know anything about this guy's personal life. So it's done. Look at that. Your faith has healed you. And instantly the blind man could see. Man, gee, wow. And look what he did. He followed Jesus down the road. Wow. Okay. Now, uh, in the book of Mark here, I want to show you something else. Let's skip over here to, let's see what happens when Jesus actually gets to, uh, he's already before Pilate. Oh, and they've got him hanging on the cross. Everybody's saying nasty things to Jesus. Here's the story. Here's two robbers were crucified that morning on either side. Wow. People came, they were jeering at him. As he walked by, now this wasn't everybody. Some people try to teach, you know, hey, well, one second we love Jesus, one second. No, this was done in the middle of the night. They had him crucified at 9 a.m. If I was there, I wouldn't have been up yet. Somebody would have said, Richard, you're not going to believe what happened. What? Jesus, is, he's crucified. It would have caught us off guard. And if you read the story, that's where Mary and, all, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and John, they all showed up up there. They were there, but they weren't going, yes, sir, you right. No, it wasn't. The Romans didn't even want to crucify Jesus. Pilate didn't want to crucify. The who did, it tells you plainly. It was the stories prior to this. The Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees, they were mad. And here they are. Verse 31 in Mark 15. The chief priests and religious leaders were standing around joking about Jesus. Now look what he says. He's quite clever. Now hold on a second. The computer did something here. We're not going to fix no problems this morning. All right, here we go. We'll let Jesus fix them. He's quite clever at saving others, they said, but he can't save himself. Oh, now we can learn a lot from this. The bad guys were saying, well, he's quite clever at saving others. Now, he wasn't talking about going to heaven. We just saw Bartimaeus was blind. Now he can see. 
Jesus saved his disciples on the water one time. They were rowing against the wind. Saved might not have been a death situation in that situation, although he was in a boat one time and it was starting to flood. But remember in the book of John, John records they were rowing against the wind and <laughs> they're probably, we ain't getting nowhere. <laughs> you know, and I don't like the looks of this weather. And all of a sudden, the spook looks like was walking by and it was Jesus. And when he got in the boat, guess what happened? Old John said, uh, James, you ain't going to believe this, but we're at the other side. <laughs> Something happened. They already advanced to the other side. What happened? Scripture says immediately they were at the other side. So he's quite clever at saving others, they mocked. Now, where'd they get that from? Because that's what Jesus was doing. Now, let's go back and let's pick up a story here in the book of Judges. And you understand this is after Moses. This is after Joshua. Everything was just wonderful. They conquered the promised land and then whoo, went downhill fast. Wasn't the Lord's will. It was their will. They started worshiping other gods. So let's pick up in the third chapter and watch a wonderful story here. Here's a list of some of the nations the Lord left in the land to test the new generation of Israel uh, who had not experienced the wars of Canaan. Now, you don't have to have a hiccup over that. What it was was the Lord was taking care of them and they started worshiping idols. These guys should have been wiped out, you know, but they weren't. So this was not like a little game they were playing. No, the Lord was saying, well, we're just going to see if you're going to be all right. No, what happened was, so here's the list of these people, Philistines, Canaanites, Sinites, Hivites. Okay, these people were a test to the new general, uh, generation of Israel to see whether they would obey the commandments of the Lord. So Israel lived among the Canaanites, Hivites, Hith, these guys and all the Jebusites. But instead of destroying them, Israel, here's what happened. They intermarried with them. And God said, don't do that. You're going to start worshiping their gods. The young men of Israel took the girls as wives. See? See it coming? How uh, the Israeli girls married their men. Soon Israel was worshiping their gods. Gee. So the people of Israel were very evil in God's sight, for they turned against Jehovah their God and worshiped. Now this means throw your kids to the fire. But it also meant they were worshiping a piece of wood. Oh, you're the great God that brought me out. And they're worshiping cows. Boy, at the time of David, uh, well, actually, just before David became, no, it was after David became king. People, uh, the split king, remember the story? One of the kings in the southern kingdom, well, actually, the northern kingdom, excuse me, uh, the ones that weren't around Jerusalem at the temple, they built their own little cow and said, this is the God that brought you out of Egypt. Uh, what? A cow? And a wood cow at that? Or gold, whatever they made now? Shoo-wee. Now, don't you remember that cow... I don't know what it is with cows, but when Moses was on Mount Sinai, what happened? Aaron and a bunch down there on the bottom, they made a gold cow and said, you're the God that brought us out of Egypt. Oh, gee. So that's what was happening. So the anger of the Lord flamed out against Israel, and he let the king of Cushan, Rishan, the eastern Assyria, conquer them. Wow. Now, there's a point here to be made. It's not like, well, gee, I don't understand why the Lord let me get conquered. No, you let yourself get beat. You don't have to get beat. They were under his rule for eight years. Okay, here's a time frame. We got eight years going now. But when Israel cried out to the Lord, he gave them, hey, I know Caleb. He was one of the guys that said, we can take the promised land. It was his nephew, Othaniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, to save them. Okay, the spirit of the Lord took control of him and he reformed and purged Israel so that when he led the forces of Israel against the army of King Cushan, Israel, whatever his name is, the Lord helped Israel conquer him completely. Wow. You know, it's either you win or you lose. It's not any middle ground here. 
Look at verse 11. For 40 years under Mr. O there, uh, there was peace in the land. I mean, right there, if we quit right there, we would learn what the key is. Just serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Let the Lord be your Lord. Ah, but when O died, this is Judges 3, verse 11. Man, when he died, the people of Israel turned again. They started sassing their mama. No, it wasn't. That's not what it was. They're worshiping other gods. Anyway, they turned back to their silver, their sinful ways. Then God helped King Eglon of Moab to conquer that part of Israel at that time. Oh, allied with him were the armies of the Ammonites. Now, let's just don't pass this up. Ammonites, Moab, those were Lot's kids. You know, Sodom and Gomorrah, he had two daughters. They escaped the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, and his two daughters uh, become pregnant, whatever. And that's uh, one of her sons was Moab. The other was another guy, but that's where both those guys come from. Anyway, these forces defeated Israel. They took possession of Jericho, often called the city of palm trees. You know, that's a note there. I mean, the promised land is not like, you know, those people over there. Man, Tel Aviv is rocking. This is some great territory. Where Pharaoh was at, some pretty cool-looking places out there. There were some desert places, but anyway. For the next 18 years, they were required to pay, look at that, crushing taxes. Remember, we talked about money this morning. Well, yeah, that's all right. God can help you with other things, but he can't help you with money. Oh, yeah. Watch this. They cried to the Lord. He sent them a Savior. Wait a minute. Jesus is our Savior. Yes, but thank God we can read more than just one piece of the Bible. God will send you a Savior the whole time, all because of doggone crushing taxes. This guy's name was Ehud, son of Jerer, a Benjamite, okay, who was left-handed. Notice how we got the details. What's that guy? Left-handed. Ehud was a man chosen by Israel to carry the annual tax money to the Moabite capital. Now, remember, they had already, they cried out to the Lord. Now, watch this. This is kind of a... We got the, to me, I think we got a little too much details, but watch what happened. So anyway, this guy was going to carry the taxes. Before he went on his journey, he made himself a double-edged dagger, 18 inches long. Well, we know what's coming now. He hid it in his clothing, strapped against his right thigh. He got him one of these things that Larry's gun and pawn, you know, hit it right here. You know. Now remember, Israel was not like, we got guns and weapons. No, they were actually told you couldn't have nothing. That's the reason this guy made his own little knife. After delivering the money to King Eglon, who was by that way, by, uh, was by the way very fat, he started home. But outside the city of the quarries of Gilgal, he sent his companions on and returned them back to the king. Now let's let's get this straight here. This other country, Moab, demanded, let's say Huntsville, under the control of Atlanta. Atlanta said, "By God, Huntsville, you're gonna pay these taxes." So anyway, Dustin was the one that was responsible to carry the taxes to Atlanta. It was civilized. So he's carrying the taxes, and he goes in before the king, you know. <laughs> of course, we all know he's got a dagger in there, too. But anyway, as he left, he told the rest of us, going back to Huntsville, i got to go back and go talk to the king. Well, that's when, see, remember, the Lord was in on this. So that's what's happening here. So he sent his companions on and returned to the king. I have a secret message for you, he told him. Look at the details. The king immediately dismissed all those who were with him so that he could have a private interview. <laughs> I mean, boy, this couldn't be any different than some sort of secret CIA, FBI, espionage thing, whatever. So Ehu walked over to him as he was sitting in the cool upstairs room and said, uh, said, it's a message from God. Okay, hey, bye, brother, bye. Okay, King Eglon stood up at once to receive it. 
No, I mean, he didn't know what's going to happen. Remember, this guy is, is real fat. When Ehud reached beneath his robe with his strong left hand, remember, he's left-handed. You know, he pulled out the double-bladed dagger strapped against his right thigh and plunged it deep into the king's belly. The hilt of the dagger disappeared beneath the flesh. That's because this guy was a 500-pounder guy or whatever. And the fat closed over as the entrails oozed out. Oh, yuck. Leaving the dagger there, Ehud locked the doors behind him and escaped across an upstairs porch. When the king's servants returned and saw the doors were locked, they waited, thinking perhaps he was using the bathroom. <laughs> but after a long time, he still didn't come out. And they were concerned. They got a key. They opened the door. They found their master dead on the floor. Oh, my. Meanwhile, Ehud had escaped past the quarries of Sierra, or whatever. He got halfway back to Huntsville, whatever. When he arrived at the hill country of Ephraim, he blew a trumpet as a call to arms. Now, you know, just because you win one thing don't mean you're going to win the other. Yeah, you are. You are. It's going to snowball. You have the Lord on your side. Follow me, he told them. The Lord shut up your enemies to the Moabites at your, the Moabites at your mercy. Uh, the army then proceeded to seize the fords of the Ford River near Moab, preventing anyone from crossing. They attacked the Moabites. They killed 10,000 of them. Anyway, they wiped them out. There was peace for the next eight years. The next judge, watch this. His name uh, after Ehud was Shamgar, whatever. He once killed 600 Philistines. Well, I thought this was Samson. No, it's not. He killed 600 with an ox goad and saved Israel from disaster. Well, we all got to have a little disaster. No, we don't. Watch. Right after that, when this guy died, Israel did the same thing. They fell right back worshiping these stupid other gods. They sinned against the Lord, so the Lord let them be conquered by this guy. Now, this guy, the commander-in-chief of his army was Sisera. Guess what? He's a real historic figure, too. This guy is. You can find him in your Western civilization classes. He lived at Hasheroth, whatever. He had 900 iron chariots. Made, look at this, made the life unbearable for the Israelis for 20 years. Now, remember, the Israelis started this. Just worship God, it would have never happened. Finally, look what happened. They begged for the Lord's help. You know, you can let your life be this way, too. It's easier just to keep it like this. But you can go that way if you want to. Anyway, the Lord's going to be there. Israel's leader at the, line, at the time, and who was responsible for bringing back the pe people back to God, was, look at this. It was a woman, Deborah. I can't have no women preachers. Well, look at this. Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth. Okay, wow. She held court at the place of Deborah's palm tree. We're open for business. <laughs> Whatever, okay. Anyway, let's speed up a little bit. One day she summoned Barak, son of this guy, Abinoah, who lived in Kadesh in the land of Naphtali, and said, the Lord God of Israel has commanded you to mobilize 10,000 men from the tribes of this. Now notice this. She's a prophet. She got from the Lord, and the Lord says, mobilize the people. So God's already planning on a big rescue here. He said, lead them to this place and fight against uh, King Jabin's mighty army. This is Judges 4, verse 7. And with all his chariots under General Sisera's command. Notice he says, you're going to defeat him. Now, whoa, 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 wait. We already found out there's 900 chariots. Little point in the book of Joshua. Uh, one of the group, I forgot if it was Naphtali or one of them, they told Caleb, no, they told Joshua. They said, well, you know, we'd like to take that part of it, but they got iron chariots down there. And Joshua told him, says, you can beat them iron chariots. I mean, he told them you could beat those iron chariots. Wow. They were beating giants too. So here, let's go a little quicker here. Notice what he says. I'll go, he said to Deborah. This is a guy named Barak. Uh, only if you'll go with me. Now notice what she says. Okay, I'll go with you, but I'm warning you now that the honor of killing Sisera 
will go to a woman instead of you. Now, remember, it's not, it wasn't going to be Deborah. It's going to be some other woman. But he was just telling her, listen, the Lord, and this is another fantastic thing. It doesn't matter. The Lord's able to save by many or few. So anyway, he summoned all these people. They all showed up. Let's speed ahead a little bit because I want to catch the little song that happens next. Anyway, boy, they attacked this bunch and they were wiping them out. General Cicero was told that Barak and his army were camped over here. He marched over there. Notice he had 900 chariots. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. Well, we got God. Anyway, Deborah and Brock, verse 14, now's the time for action. The Lord leads on. He's ready. To, he's already delivered Sisera into your hands. Notice this. They hadn't even fought yet, and the Lord's saying he's delivered him. Anyway, uh, the Lord threw him in a panic, verse 15. The chariots uh, were all running for cover. Sisera, he took off on foot. Now, let's watch what happens here with Mr. Sisera. He runs over to somebody's tent. Meanwhile, verse 17, Sisera had escaped to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Canaanite. Now, that's one of Moses' kids. Grandkids. From there, there was a mutual agreement between King Jabin of Hazar and the clan of Heber, whatever. Jael went out to meet Sisera. Boy, she's suckering him in there. Come into my tent. You'll be safe here for protection. Oh, don't be afraid. Uh, so he went into her tent and he covered her with a blanket. Please give me some water, Sisera. Uh, he said, I'm very thirsty. So she gave him some milk and covered him. Stand at the door, he told her. And if anyone comes looking for me, tell him I'm not here. This is why I like to say she nailed him. Look at verse 21. Jael took a sharp tent peg and a hammer, quietly creeping in to him as he slept and drove. Now, remember who this guy is? He is the general of the 900 chariots plus thousands of thousands. She drove that peg through his temples in the ground and he died. And he was fast, for he was fast asleep. Wow. When Barak came looking for him, Jael went out to meet him and said, I'll show you who you're looking for. I mean, isn't that great? Barak wasn't upset. He was like, he's dead already? He says, yeah, I nailed him. <laughs> I mean, it was over with. Now, what happened here? The Lord, if you ask him for your help, it's just like Bartimaeus. Now, look at this great song. This is what happened. Then, Deborah and Brad sang this song. Now, this is not a wishy-washy song. This is, just what, look at it. They're singing, praise the Lord. Israel's leaders bravely led. The people gladly followed. Now, remember, nobody had no weapons and stuff. In a minute, he's going to say it was a band of, of paupers, <laughs> a band of poor people. Anyway, the people gladly followed. Yes, bless the Lord. Listen, O you kings and princes. Now, why they, you know, this may not happen again because why you won't make a song out of it? Oh, yeah, it will happen again over and over. For I'll sing about the Lord, the God of Israel, instead of Ashtaroth and Baal. When you let us out of Seir from out across the fields of Edom, the earth trembled. The sky poured its, down its rain. Even Mount Sinai quaked. See, they were recapping what happened with Moses. At the presence of the God of Israel, in the days of Shamgar and Jael, the main roads were deserted. Travelers used the narrow, crooked paths. Israel's population. See, now he's saying that we went down the tubes fast because why? Israel chose new gods. We were losers from the start. Moses told them, Look, I put before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. Don't go after these other gods. Everything collapsed, verse 8. Our masters would not have a... Look at that. Our masters would not let us have a shield or a spear. Among 40,000 men of Israel, this is what's so funny. They were all poor people. Nobody had a 9 millimeter. Nobody had a stick. Not a weapon could be found. How I rejoice in the leaders of Israel who offered themselves willingly. In other words, this is like our Veterans Day. Praise the Lord. Let all Israel, rich, poor, join in his praises. Those who ride on white donkeys and sit on rich carpets. Those who are poor and must walk. 
The village musicians gather at the village well, sing to the triumphs of the Lord. Again and again, they sing the ballad of how the Lord, look at that, how the Lord saved Israel with an army of peasants. Gee, praise the Lord. What's he going to do for you and I today? Well, it'll be the same stuff. The people of the Lord marched to the gates. Awake, O Deborah, sing, arise, O Barak. O son of Abinoah, lead away your captives down from, he's just recapping, this is a song, because this is what happened. He's going to say Sisera bit the dust. They marched down, look at that, they marched down against great odds. 900 chariots, tanks, and we're out there with a bunch of sticks. They found Ephraim and Benjamin. That was, these are descendants, the tribes of Abraham. Anyway, from Machir to Zebulun, down to the valley went the princes of Issachar with Deborah and Barak. Remember, this is a song. They're not going, oh, I can't wait till this song gets over with. They wrote it down. We've had a copy of this thing for, what, 3,000 years. Down in the valley went the princes of, those are some more Abraham's kids, with Deborah and Barak. Remember, that was the prophetess, and that was, the Lord picked this guy. At the command, at God's command, they rushed into the valley, but the tribe of Reuben didn't go. Now, they were just being dumb. They didn't join. Why didn't you, why did you sit home among the sheepfolds playing your shepherd's pipes? Yes, the tribe of Reuben had an uneasy conscience. Anyway, why did Gilead, Gilead remain? And why did Dan remain with his ships? See, a couple of the tribes didn't join. But anyway, but the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali dared to die upon the fields of battle. The kings of Canaan fought against them and by Medigo Springs, but did not win the victory. The very stars of heaven fought Sisera. Wow. See, it wasn't even all Israel went. Only some of them went. The rushing Kishon River swept them away. March on, my soul, with strength. Hear the stamping of the horse hooves of the enemy. Yeah, they were running in panic. See the prancing of his steeds. But the angel of Jehovah put a curse on Maraz. Wow. Curse them bitterly, he said, because they have not come to help the Lord against his enemies. Wow. Anyway, blessed be Jael, the wife. Now, here's the woman that killed him. Oh, blessed be Jael, the wife of Hever, the Canaanite. May she be blessed above all women who live in tents. He asked for water. She gave him milk and a beautiful cup. Then she took a tent pin, a workman's hammer, and pierced his temples, crushing his head. Well, I tell you, you talk about some man. Well, look, look how they just, I mean, this stuff was important. These guys were giving Israel torture, taxes beyond belief, crushing penalties. Anyway, so she pounded the tent pin in his head. He sank. He fell, lay dead at her feet. The mother of Sisera, oh, we, we, how, we need to be nice in the Bible. I don't see anything nice about this. Sisera was executing the Israelis. Look what, so this mother, well, everybody needs to be treated fair. No, everybody needs Jesus is what they need. The mother of Sisera watched through the window for his return. Why is this chariot so long in coming? <laughs> well, darling, he ain't coming home. <laughs> uh, why don't we hear the sound of his wheels? Oh, my goodness. But her ladies in waiting, uh, and she replied to herself, there must be much loot to be divided. No, there ain't no loot this time, buddy. It got turned around. Each man, Look at this. Each man's going to get a girl or two. Nah, not hardly. Oh, and Cicero will get gorgeous robes for me. No, nope. mm-mm. He'll bring me home. Many gifts for me. Not happening. Oh, Lord, may your, all your enemies perish at Cicero did. You know, let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. But all those, look at that, who love the Lord shine as the sun. After that, look at that, there was peace in the land for 40 years. And you can tell in this next chapter, it'll say, and they started worshiping the other goofy gods, and it went downhill. Praise the Lord, this is what we have.
Father, we just thank you for your word today. We appreciate what you said and, and, and saw what Bartimaeus did. And praise God, if we're not feeling good today, if we've got problems with our eyes or any problem whatsoever, praise the Lord. We've come to the right place. We've come to you and you'll help us. And if it's financial help, praise the Lord, you'll take care of that. We're going to have a robe like Cicero was supposed to have a robe. We're going to have all these good things. We got them because you're here to help us today. And Lord, if it's not money and it's not, you know, health or whatever, but it's just some other problem we've got, praise the Lord. For 40 years, the land had peace. Well, praise the Lord. You're our God today. You'll fix whatever it is that's bothering us. And so that doesn't leave anything left for, for us to follow our own uh, uh, trails that we write down that have just covered with blessing after day after day. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. What a fact. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen.